Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Critically Acclaimed Streaming Club, the only critically acclaimed streaming club that we have. Yeah, my name is William Bibiani. <laughs> I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, not a member of the club yet, I see. <laughs> no club that would have me for a member. Uh, yes. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. Uh, I, too, am a film critic, and uh, this is our streaming club. This is where we reach back into the annals of everything available on streaming, if you have the subscriptions. Yeah. And uh, and we try to find classics that we haven't seen. And, or uh, cult movies that we haven't seen, or, or weird oddities. or Something that... W- we put on the list we're trying to catch up, essentially. We'll, yeah. ne- we'll never catch up. No one ever will. There's but, too too many films out there. But uh, Whitney and I watch mm. a lot of movies, and we make sure that every time we put a movie on the critically acclaimed streaming club, it's one that one or both of us have either never seen or saw like many decades ago and don't remember it. Mm. Uh, every single episode of the critically acclaimed streaming club is curated by our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, every single one of our patrons, even for $1 a month, uh, gets to vote. On every week of the critically acclaimed streaming club, uh, Whitney picks two films that he hasn't seen from a particular streaming service. I pick two films that I haven't seen from the same streaming service. Sometimes there's overlap, sometimes there's not, and our patrons get to choose. And uh, this week on the critically acclaimed streaming club, we gave you a lot of options, uh, many of which are you know culturally significant, critically acclaimed mm-hmm. films like Bridesmaids and Flashdance. We, uh, and uh, we 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 put a we put one random thing on there just because we couldn't figure out what to throw in well, the, as a the, fourth option. The, the stre- did you say the streaming club or the the actual service that we're we're exploring? Oh no, I forgot. Yeah, we we are going into Peacock. Yeah, which is the uh, NBC slash NBC NBC slash Universal. Yes, that's where the um, Axe. the Sleestacks <laughs> from Land of the Lost uh, program uh, Peacock. It's the NBC slash Universal streaming service uh, that had, uh, when they first launched, a lot of really great movies. Yeah, Universal is a studio that dates back almost 100, maybe uh, over 100 years ago? Over a century by now. Yeah, so they have a ton of films that are available to them. I'm sure some of them have their rights entangled in weird ways, but they definitely have a gigantic backlog. And when Peacock first came out, Quite a bit of that backlog was on yeah, here, and it was kind of cool to just see like all the old Universal yeah, monster mo- movies around there. A whole most, lot of Hitchcock. Yeah, mo- and- mo- most exciting were they had all, all all of the Universal monster films, not just like the famous ones, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman. They had but, all the sequels as well, yeah, and, and also uh, some of the weird esoteric ones like Doctor uh, X, or the, the Mad Ghoul, stuff like that, yeah. and. Uh, and then, f- without rhyme or reason, maybe because of those weird contractual obligations, they decided to take them all off. So yeah. when we went delving into Peacock, we're like, oh, Slim Pickens. Yeah. But I was able to find a couple classics, which you didn't pick. Yep. I also... We, uh, we, we saw... One of one of these films caught our eye one of them while we were browsing for something to put on our streaming club. We were just like, let's put in one stupid straight-to-video thing that, like, everyone will acknowledge is bad and no one will vote for. Mm. <coughs> Yeah, thanks. Sorry, I'm, that, one was, that was on me. Well, that was on me. <laughs> uh, we 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 ended up. I, I, I let you do it, so this is on both of us. Well, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, instead of instead of talking about, for example, bridesmaids, one of the most celebrated comedies mm-hmm. of the last ten years, instead of talking about uh, Flashdance, a uh, cultural uh, touchstone of the 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, and I forget, what the th- I forget what the third one was. What was the third one? It was Pretty oh, Woman. It was pretty Woman. Which, which, pretty Woman. You uh, which would, pretty which woman, would be a good chaser for uh, Mystic, Pizza. Mystic Pizza, which we just did last week. Yeah, so these are all classic movies, or the very least significant movies. Uh, and instead you picked Christmas Twister. 
A tornado hit the small town of Dublin late last night. It's almost Christmas. Tornado season's not until March. Thanks to climate change, tornado season's coming early. I ran all the simulations, and none of them point to an active system. So as you can see, things should start to improve into the morning hours. F2 in December. F2, is that bad? That's a fairly large storm. Is there anything bigger, like an F6? That's like a nuclear bomb going off. The conditions are right for the perfect storm. Where are you? I just picked up Max. We're on our way to the high school now. Dad. Give me a minute. I'm on the phone with your mother. Dad! What? Caitlin's not at school. Yes, Christmas Twister. Who could forget uh... that cinematic, perennial, yuletide classic, Christmas Twister. Every year, I try to make time to watch only a handful of Christmas movies. It's It's a Wonderful Life, A Nightmare Before Christmas, The Shop Around the Corner, Christmas in Connecticut, and of course, Christmas Twister. Christmas Twister is about a twister at Christmas. Um, This is a (laughs) film... uh, I don't really need to say this part, but it stars Casper Vendian. Uh, (laughs) Because of course it does. Because of course it does. Um, And... uh, I was also surprised to see that it has Haley Lou Richardson in it. Um, mm. a young rising actress. She was in Edge of Seventeen. She was in Split. She's been mm. a lot of things recently. Yeah, so um, she she worked her way up a bit. Yeah, so yeah. The, this was something. Uh, this was a film that came out in 2012. It was a straight-to-video thing. It was directed by a guy named Jack Sullivan, who has... Um, Peter Sullivan. Uh, excuse me, Peter Sullivan. I apologize. I uh, did that. Uh, but yeah, Peter Sullivan uh, has but, a long pedigree of producing and directing, mostly straight-to-TV uh, type yeah, movies. Uh, he did a lot of. Uh, one second, I got, I got his producing credits in there. Huge. He did a lot of Christmas movies and a lot of like thrillers for Netflix in recent years. Mm-hmm. So, like Fatal Affair uh, came out last year, which I almost reviewed for a KCRW. I think. Oh, weird. Like it was in the conversation, but we didn't end up doing it. But yeah. uh, some of the Christmas movies, uh, Christmas Edition, yeah, uh, uh, The Road Home for Christmas, mm-hmm. Jingle Bell, B E L L E. My Christmas Inn, mm-hmm. not to be confused with, um, what was it, Christmas in Connecticut? or uh, It was Falling In, I fall, Am oh, Love. Falling In Love, yeah. Sharing Christmas, Wrapped Up in Christmas. Wrapped Up in Christmas is quite good, actually. I, I knew you would have seen some of these. Yeah. Uh, actually, wait, no, I don't think, no, wait. Wrapped Up in Christmas is not the one I saw. I apologize. <laughs> uh, he did Christmas Under Wraps. Similar title, ah, okay. uh, which uh, which I starred Candace Cameron Bure as a woman who gets out of medical school and she had put all of her eggs in one basket. She only wanted to, uh, uh, in, you know, start have a job at this one hospital. Hmm. So when that job dried up, she had to get the only job she could get uh, in like the farthest northest reaches of Alaska, and it's a town where the mayor has a big white beard and their big export is toys. And they never come right out and say it, and that's actually kind of charming. Right. It's actually kind of charming. I actually like that movie. Remember that the animated bad. film Klaus? You know, the really good yes, one? that movie's yeah. great. Uh, uh, the Flight Before Christmas, The Twelve <laughs> Gifts of Christmas. Twelve Gifts of Christmas, also yeah. not bad. Uh, a Christmas Mystery. Mm-hmm. I High would school call it a po- Christmas Mystery, but all right. High School Possession at Christmas. <laughs> No, he did a film called High School Possession, a.k.a. High School Exorcism. Uh, so he's done some, like, cheapo yeah. thrillers as well. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and if we were talking about this on our crossover episode with Dave White and Alonzo Duralde. Mm. I was surprised that uh, it took them as late as 2012 to make a movie called All About Christmas Eve. Yeah. And if it's a riff on All About Eve, that would be perfect. Um, it probably wasn't. The dog who saved Halloween. <gasps> Twist. 
What a twist. You thought it was going to be Christmas, didn't you? You did. You were like, it's sitting in your car. It's just like, <laughs> he's about to say Christmas. I know how podcasts work. No, no, no. He's at Halloween. That's a rebel dog. The dog who saved. I wish there were as many Hallmark Halloween movies as there were Christmas movies. I feel like Halloween could be a, you can certainly at least get some fun Um, movies out of that. I I mean, every October, you know, all of the the stations haul out all of their old horror movies out of mothballs. So um, why not have some, why not have like just a bunch of costume party rom-coms? Why not? But in any case, this is someone who works a lot, like a lot in television. And uh, the co-writer of this film, Hans Wasserberger has worked on quite a few Christmas movies as well. He did a particularly good Alicia Vitt Christmas movie called I'm not ready for Christmas, hmm. uh, which was basically liar liar, except instead of a birthday wish, it was a Christmas wish. And oh, now Alicia okay. Wick can only tell the truth. Um, considering sense. how wildly derivative that is, it was actually hmm. pretty cute. There are only a few Christmas movies I really want to see, and most of them are Christmas renditions of some like long-running film series, mm-hmm. like Fur- Furiously Merry. Okay. Uh, or uh, like Fast and Furious, but it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still waiting for Merry Crankmas. Uh, that <laughs> that needs to come along. That's not like my... I have to get I have to get everything on my Christmas list done in one day in order yeah. to do that. I need to keep <laughs> sucking down espressos or jolting myself with like no, need, Christmas needs, lights to he, get juices going. It, it, the only thing that keeps his system working is eggnog, and he nice. just has to keep on drinking it all day. I want to see a Christmas version mm. of Final Destination, but instead of killing mm. everybody, it's Christmas miracles. <laughs> it's like some like weird Rube Goldberg sequence, and it's like one little gust of breeze knocks something over. Mm. And that set something on fire or whatever like that. But it's and all ominous music. It's all yeah. ominous music. But at the end of it, oh, dad found a new girlfriend after mom died. <laughs> it's actually kind of nice. Come on. If, the, if there's an evil version of that, no. there has to be a good version to balance it out, right? It's the universe in which we live in. But anyway. No, there ne- and there also needs to be a Mary Saw-ness. Well, yeah. A, that saw, one, a that Saw one, movie. That Christmas. one writes itself. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, uh, Santa's very judgmental. Miss Alto? No, I can't, I can't that's, think of a pun. That's, that's brutal. I'm trying to think of a saw pun with that Christmas. That is brutal. Yeah, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'll Do just you sell, saw I'll what I one. saw? There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> um, but anyway. just, just do you see what I saw, I think okay. would be good. Uh, but in any case, uh, they, they came together, these two titans. Uh, <laughs> and um, and they, listen, listen, I'm going to say this right now. We, we can jest. That is a long career making movies. Like yeah. seriously, Peter Sullivan has made, has like directed and produced more feature films that honestly probably brought a lot of people joy than I don't know, like it, Denis Villeneuve. Like he hasn't it, made as many movies as that, has it, he? It, it, it definitely admire the work ethic and nothing else. It definitely let Casper Van Dien pay his rent for a couple of months, right? Uh, Casper Van Dien, um, I, I will go to bat for Casper Van Dien. I've seen him give good performances. Sure. I think he he has talent, uh, but I think a big uh, a big issue is how he looks. He was all, mm-hmm. his his big breakout role, at least to my eye, mm-hmm. was Starship Troopers. Oh yeah, that was uh, definitely his big breakout. Yeah, role. where uh, and the joke in Starship Troopers is all of the actors were cast because they look kind of empty and they were directed mm. to be these sort of like empty soldiers meant yeah. to be filled they're, with propaganda. They're absolutely gorgeous. You mm. definitely want to like to project yourselves into someone who looks like that. But in so doing, you would be unintentionally projecting yourself into fascist propaganda. That's the point of Starship that's, Troopers. That's the point the of Starship Troopers. So yeah. um, the movie, the book was actually just, yeah. <laughs> was actually just but, military uh, imperialism, ca- but you know, the movie's more subversive than that. Uh, yeah. The movie's actually satire, but you know, he's, he's a handsome guy. He's got a big square jaw, classic, 
sort of like magazine model, movie star kind of looks. And I think oh that God. prevented him from getting sort of a, a big variety of roles. He I was, just saw, uh, I love this. Hold on. I, this is amazing. I just saw, I was looking at Casper Van Dien's IMDb page and his upcoming movie. He's got a couple upcoming movies like Salvage Marines and Assailant. And he's got one coming up called Ah! Roach! <laughs> okay, we're going to review Ah! Roach. That sounds amazing. I'm on board. What a great title. Sorry. I, I, I hope it's a stoner movie too. That'd yeah. be good. Uh, but yeah, Casper Van Dien has since uh, just sort of worked in like TV, a lot of low budget mm-hmm. and uh, low profile movies, uh, including Christmas Twister, which was, I think, retitled. I don't think it was originally a Chris- intended to be a Christmas tie-in. Uh-huh. It just happened to take place on Christmas Eve. Yeah, uh, it doesn't even take place on Christmas. I know it's thanks. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, Casper so- Van Dien is—it's uh, essentially a Twister knockoff, uh, the mm-hmm. 1996 well, film. It's basically any disaster movie, really. Yeah, where what, right. what happens well, is there's the protagonist is one of the people who is an expert in the disaster in question. In this case, it's Casper Van Dien. He works for like uh, a college that is studying, you know, various weather conditions because, you know, they're, I don't think they're, I don't know if they're in Tornado Alley, but they're near enough they're, to it at they're least. They're in Texas and they said that March is tornado season. Okay, so which there is, you go. Which is in, in Tornado Alley. Okay, there you go. Uh, if you're not familiar with like Tornado North, Alley, it's a place. Northern Texas. It's a place in California. It's just this big, long strip of land where it just, it's, oh, they get a lot of tornadoes. Not, not California, the center of the country. No, so, did I say California? You said California. <laughs> It's, it's of the United States. Uh, so, I apologize. You know, yeah, the there, there's of, a re- there's I a meant reason the country. why uh, I meant big... the country, not California. Instead of the country. <laughs> oh, look at you, Mister LA centric. Oh, um, I apologize. I really thought I said the word country. There's a, a reason why uh, a Twister in Kansas is a plot point in The Wizard of Oz because, because that just that's happens. that's where there's you know. Because of the open plains and because of the way the wind moves through the country, there is are frequently tornadoes in that part. Of there the are country. certain every part of the world has its own natural disaster. Mm. Uh, you know, California is particularly prone to earthquakes and wildfires. <laughs> We're right on a fault line. We are. We're gonna die. <laughs> it's a stupid thing to do, and the wildfire is getting worse every single year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you hear the smoke cloud was so big it formed its own storm system? Oh god, <laughs> we're gonna die. Oh, that's not good. Um, but yeah, we also have Tornado Alley, which is this huge section in Cal- and, uh, California. You see, Damn it, yeah, you you got me started doing that. That's your fault. Uh, uh, it's the, the country, the, the United the, States, middle the of the country, yeah. big section where there's a lot of tornadoes. Um, so Casper uh, Van Dien is studying tornadoes. Uh, we uh, and uh, basically because of climate change, uh, tornado season is going to be extra brutal this year. And indeed, it could lead to an F6, which is basically, as Casper Van Dien describes it, like a nuclear bomb dropping on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you watch Christmas Twister, whether you're watching it on Peacock or it's also available on like Amazon right now, and you're going to see it look like Christmas Twister. That's what it says. Christmas Twister is Casper Van Dien's face. There's two... like. Uh, thumbnails, not really posters, but I don't know if there are posters, but there's thumbnails. There's one that's like this horrible disaster area. It says mm. Christmas Twister. And then there's one that's Casper Van Dien smiling with his daughter, like, hey! And that says Christmas Twister with like a little doodle of a twister, like the twister is about to bring Christmas joy. It's absolutely now, wonderful and absurd. You uh, So when you click on it and you think uh, you're going to see Christmas Twister, and then the movie begins and there's this whole opening sequence that feels like a big reshoot. To like solidify that it's Christmas because their characters will never see again. 
because there's it's, more yeah, Christmas there's, decorations at that opening than in the rest of the movie. It takes place uh, in a, like a gas station in Texas, yeah. and they're just establishing we are in Texas. Yeah, it's Christmas time, and there are a bunch of tornadoes about, and it's all yeah. characters that have nothing to do with the rest of the movie. I, I actually love this opening because uh, it's filmed like a slasher movie. Like the it's, guys, it's all like, like, well, it's it's like dark. I think most of yeah. it's on a set, even the exteriors. Yeah. It's yeah. like the guy tells his wife and, kid and daughter, like, okay, you go inside and get a slice of pie. I'll go get, I'll get the gas. And there's like, he's getting the gas, and there's like ominous music, and it's like the camera's over here, like we're looking at him, like the twister is about to sneak up on him. And he spins around, and there's a twister there, and it has a knife. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. The twister like wrecks some shit, and it blows up the gas station. Oh my god! Really, and really bad flame effects. Oh like they, god. they, they had to key in like some oh. stock flame effects they didn't even set anything on fire no no i mean granted that's dangerous i get it if you're on a low budget mm-hmm. and you don't feel like you're fooling anybody anyway why risk it but yeah it never looks good uh and then the credits come up and the tyler comes up and you're expecting to see the words christmas twister and it says it says f6 twister no oh, mine said christmas twister My, oh i saw okay i'll be honest here I cheated. I saw this on Amazon. <gasps> I didn't have Peacock. You saw a in, different I, cut. I, didn't have, I didn't have Peacock installed on my Roku. Oh, I see. So on when I would, so I have it like on my computer, <laughs> but I wanted to watch it in the bedroom. So we were watching it on the Roku, and uh, so we're like, oh, okay. I don't have. I don't need to install Peacock and do the whole system. I can just watch it on Amazon. And uh, yeah, so in that so one they had they had the alternate title, which is always funny. Yeah, okay, I, I got I got Christmas Twister as okay. the actual title, but yeah, after that cold open, we meet Cass Van Van, mm. Van Dien. He works in. The Twister Study Lab, which mm. is somebody's office. It's, it's like a bunch got, of cubicles. It's got like cubicles and like yeah. Apple IIe's on their side to make them look like really futuristic. My favorite bit of it is, you know, like in the cop movies when like the cops are in a car that isn't like a police cruiser, but they're about to get in a chase and they pull out that one revolving light with a magnet on it. Oh, yeah, and they and stick they it on the roof stick of the car. Stick it on the roof and yeah. it goes, boo, woo, woo. Uh, they have that to let them know when there's a Twister. So for some reason, that is hooked up to some computer somewhere. Whenever there's a twister, this light kicks up on the top of their cubicle, and it's endless fun. They have a new assistant uh, at the office. It's Christmas, which is why they're understaffed, which is as good an excuse as any to explain why you have why you don't have a big cast. Um, I'm not hire anybody else. That's Casper Vendine, some other guy, and uh, I think it's like the new college intern. Zach and I think Chloe are the characters' names. Yeah, uh, Chloe uh, has to have everything explained to her, which is fine. Because it's a good way to get exposition. You, you need you have you a need, new character yeah. that gets the information the same way the audience it's, does. It's usually pretty clunky, but listen, we all we it, there comes a time to be elegant about your exposition and sort of sneak it in in a very organic way that you don't even realize you're getting it. And then there's also listen, we just need to get this over with so we can get the movie going. And mm-hmm. so she has to have the concept of tornadoes explained to her. She has to have the concept of the tornado scale. Mm-hmm. Explain to her like an F zero is oh it'll not maybe knock over a small tree and an F six is we're all doomed we're all gonna die, uh, and uh, she also has to explain some really obvious things like a CB radio, like I'll got <laughs> talk to you on the CB radio. Ooh, this, what's that? It's like oh, a cell on. phone just without. Oh no, it's, it's like a, a smartphone. It's a smartphone, but it's not smart and it's not a phone. So it's, it's a, nothing. It's a radio. It's a radio. Like that's not so obscure a concept, right? You could just say it's a radio. It's a radio. They used to have them in trucks more often, and sometimes they still do. Listen, why are we so, making this a thing? What yeah, I understand a, needing to explain the tornado scale. I understand some well, people I, might not know that. What tornado, I don't understand, the, having to explain a CB radio feels a little 
a little much. I know the tornado scale from the movie Twister, which is when they explained it. This is why I call it a Twister knockoff. And in fact, this idea of the team of experts studying a very particular disaster is a really common trope from the 90s wave of disaster mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, we didn't really see a lot of that in the Irwin Allen movies. I, mean, yeah, I there, guess there was The a, Swarm, we had like Michael Caine yeah, as the, like the, the one but, B expert, but uh, yeah. apart from that, there, was, there wasn't an earthquake expert in Earthquake. That's not an Irwin Allen, but no, yeah. but... Um, uh, the um, there wasn't a towering inferno expert like I wrote the book on towering yeah, inferno. I, I know how There's fires one. work in towers, and yeah. now we have like Paul Giamatti appearing on the news. They're gonna feel this on the west coast. Well, we're on the west coast. We're oh, on the east coast. Oh, that's yeah, about the, San Andreas. San Andreas. Yeah, 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 I guess that takes place in San Andreas. Yeah. Fall, doesn't it? Um, I remember when the movie Twister came out, and uh, Twister was a big movie. Like Jan de Bond had just made Speed. Mm. Speed was a runaway hit. No pun intended. Uh, and oh my god. That was you pretty good. That. that was pretty good, actually. Oh my god, I'm a genius. <laughs> but uh, Twister was a big deal. Uh, it, it, Helen Hunt was a huge star at the time, uh, and there was a you know CGI was starting to exponentially start affecting different movies. And mm-hmm. a movie like Twister was something that probably would never have looked that good if it was made ten years earlier. You yeah, would have had a lot was, of. It was an effects bonanza. They yeah. were testing out what they could do with certain special effects, and they, uh, yeah, yeah, all of the the twisters were uh, CG created, which mm-hmm. was a novelty at the time, and uh, it, it holds up okay. I, I saw it a few years ago, and yeah. it, it still looks fine. I think I, the, there's two things I, I think are fascinating about the movie Twister. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that for all the talk we have about the visual effects, which are good. Mm-hmm. It's the sound design that sells that movie. You see that movie <laughs> yeah. in a theater if you ever have the chance. Yeah, yeah. You see the movie in a theater, it's uh, it feels like you're right in the middle of a tornado. Like it's mm. really that's what sells it. Even the visual effects had sucked, it would have been cool. Uh, the other thing I love about the movie Twister, and I, I love maybe a strong word, but I kind of respect this. It's kind of barely a film. Like it's not like yeah, it's not like it's not like the, there's uh, like a there's a villain kind of, but it's just Carrie Elwes and he's just kind of like an asshole storm chaser. He's but he's the, not like he's the rival storm chaser with like better better equipment. But and, he's not uh, Bill Paxton is like the scrappy one who leads the team of misfits. Well, Helen Hunt's leading the team of misfits. Bill Paxton was trying to leave the team oh, that's of misfits. right. But yeah. regardless, like these Carrie Elwes doesn't get anybody killed. Is my point. He's but, not like some. Hmm. He's not like the mayor in he, Jaws or something. Or he the meets guy a bad end though because of his hubris. But sure, he meets a bad end because someone needs to die in order to raise the stakes at the mm. end which is whatever but regardless there's there's not like a major conflict they're chasing tornadoes they try to get into the tornado so they can shove this like research equipment into the tornado they fail a couple of times and then they succeed there's no antagonist there's really mm. nothing driving it it's kind of a mellow movie except for all the damn twisters <laughs> and i kind of love that there's this big blockbuster that has Almost no plot. Mm. And that's kind of amazing. It works because you actually like the characters. Like all the storm chasers, like Philip Seymour Hoffman's in there. They're fun. Philip Seymour Hoffman, in fact, plays like the brash fratty guy. Like the the, the beer swilling drunk guy. Which is not the type he would become known for. But it shows you how... uh, It's like he's flirting with women. Yeah, we go up to uh, storms, right? You don't want to get in here. It's called the suck zone. Like he says it like really in this seductive way. Uh, Alan Rock is in there as a character named Rabbit. And he has a... a line of dialogue I still quote to this day where um, he's like, I have all these facts. Rabbit, are you sure? Yes. Rabbit is good. Rabbit is wise. (laughs) I still say that. that. Rabbit is good. Rabbit is wise. I forgot about that. But yeah, it's, they, they understand that we're here for the visual effects. We're here for the action and we're not going to like 
spruce this up with a lot of unnecessary plot that's just mm. going to get in the way of the of the of the incredible weather effect. And we just want to make sure we give a crap about these characters so we hope they don't die. That's kind of it. It's a it's almost elegant in its simplicity. Um not all the the disaster movies of the time followed that mold. Dante's Peak was basically Jaws with the volcano. It's actually quite good. It's about a volcano that swims up underneath people and <laughs> No, it's, it's it's not that. It's the it's the premise is that this volcano is active and it's going to blow, but the town doesn't want to believe it, so they delay the evacuation oh, until it's know. almost too late. So it's that element of Jaws. Um, but it's pretty good. Uh, volcano is rock stupid, but very fun to watch. It's a good LA movie. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there was that whole wave in there, and I feel like. Uh, we haven't a really... while because in, in the early two thousands we were still getting stuff like like um, day after tomorrow, day after tomorrow, the core stuff like yeah. that. Um... We owe the day after tomorrow an apology. I feel. <laughs> I remember when the day after tomorrow, day after tomorrow was this Roland Emmerich movie. Roland Emmerich, of course, did uh, Independence Day and Stargate, and it was a big hit machine for a while, and um, still occasionally makes a good movie. But uh, he made this futuristic, like like semi science fiction disaster movie where every one of our worst case projections for climate change. Was like and was like oh that's the California will be inhospitable in like two hundred years. Yeah. Uh, no, we actually meant five years. Yeah. <laughs> like, the timeline got pushed it's, way yeah. up, and everyone. And I remember at the time, everyone's like, "This is so stupid. There's no way climate change could mm. affect the world this fast." Twenty years later, mm. I apologize. Day after tomorrow, you were right, and I was wrong. Yeah, well, and, uh, until uh, until Jake Gyllenhaal is is running away from cold. Hey, I will. I buy Jake Gyllenhaal running away from cold uh. more than I buy Elijah Wood and Lily Sobieski on a kid's dirt bike outrunning a tsunami that they have explicitly okay, yeah, said that's... is going at the speed of sound. Because <laughs> that's in deep <laughs> that's, impact. That's, that, that's a that's a really fast <laughs> dirt bike. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good movie. It's actually like if you rewatch him, it's actually kind of a better movie than Armageddon. But that's a yeah. stupid sequence right there. Well, I didn't find that at all. I never saw Armageddon. And I hope yeah. never to. I, right. But in any case, it is the opposite of my jam. What, what's kind of fascinating about these like big disaster movies? Because big disaster movies were this gigantic box office phenomenon in the seventies, and then they mostly went away in the eighties. And then when CGI started making more things possible, they got like a new lease on life in the nineties mm. and kind of the two thousands, and they petered out a little bit. We'll still get the occasional one. Uh the CGI made it possible to do them cheaply and crappily. <laughs> and now there's a ton of disaster movies that have gone straight to video or straight to the sci-fi channel. Um, and um, yeah, it turns out they're pretty easy to do. All you really need is some sort of command center and then some people in a car and then some exteriors uh, you can CG a disaster onto, and yeah. then like a wind machine maybe, and like debris, and then like rescuing people from underneath rubble. It's actually pretty easy to do almost any disaster with After yeah. Effects now. Um, and and that was yeah, that's what the Sci Fi Channel was doing for a long, long time. In fact, a lot of their really corny monster movies mm-hmm. uh, take that same structure. Yeah, it's like but the monster is you know a five headed shark attack or whatever they got. Yeah. Um, some of them were fun. Most of them were quite yeah. bad. I, I remember you assigned me one to review a long time ago. Um, when when back when we were both at Crave, uh, I, which one it was there? called Metal Tornado. Oh god, which, which sounds. <laughs> I forgot about Metal Tornado. Metal Lou Diamond Phillips? Lou Diamond Phillips is in that one. And and (laughs) Metal Tornado sounds like a really awesome, like, like album title, but uh, it's like Anvil put out Metal Tornado. Uh, No, Metal (laughs) Tornado was about 
essentially like free floating magnetic fields yeah. that were spinning and would pick up metal objects and essentially make gigantic metal buzzsaw yeah. tornado things. Look, I, I think that was post Sharknado, if memory serves. Yes, it was post Sharknado. After Sharknado, well, okay, um, about the same. Point. Around listen, around that time, uh, people were just like, "Eh, tornado is kind of boring. What can we add to a tornado? What can we add to a volcano?" And then it started getting kind of weird. Like, there's one that was like, there's one out there somewhere that's like airplane versus volcano. And I'm like, my, I don't my, know, my money's on the volcano. My frankly. money's on the airplane. It's got the maneuverability. You can just go, try, fly around that well, fucker if, if they're fighting. <laughs> And the airplane's like flying into a volcano saying, I'm going to get you. The airplane has mastered the art of fighting without fighting. So the volcano is going to burn itself out trying to hit the tornado. And then the volcano is just going to be so tired. It's just gonna be like, ah, I give up. And then, the tor- and then the plane wins. How does it beat a volcano? It lets the volcano beat itself. Oh, I see. And it just yeah. flies away. Yeah, it's like it's like, like it doesn't just, do any actual damage to the volcano. It's like if you it's like uh, Homer Simpson when he was a boxer, he let people just beat him up until like they were just like got like they were so tired, tired he yeah. just knock him over. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we're not talking about Christmas Twister a lot because there's not a lot to talk about. Here's uh, the thing with Christmas Casper Twister: Casper Van Dien has a family. Uh, yeah. uh, Haley Rich- Lou Richardson is his teenage daughter. He has a young son. Mm. Uh, it's from what I understand, it's Christmas Eve, but they still have to go to school. Yeah, that's that's, that's a little a weird. weird. It's, so it's Christmas Eve; they still have to go to school. Mm-hmm. Haley Rich- Lou Richardson skips school so she can go to the mall with her best friend mm-hmm. and uh, meet a boy she has a crush on and do some Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, boy ends up the young boy ends up spilling the beans on her. Uh, well, a little you, later you, in the movie, you, you skipped a bit. So basically, Casper Van Dien goes to work, and he believes that because of climate change, all of their predictions about tornado season this year are way off mm. and serious tornadoes are going to be uh, coming along like right now and we need to let the world know fortunately his wife is an anchor woman at a local uh, uh, television station mm. and he calls her up and says hey listen uh the weatherman at your tv station sucks and there's actually potentially going to be there's already had one serious tornado there's probably going to be more. You should at least tell people to be on alert. Mm. And uh, she says, no, because there was that one time in Chicago when you said there was going to be a bunch of tornadoes and then there weren't any. And then we looked like idiots. So we're just not going to tell people to be safe. And uh, Richard Berge is the kind of like meteorologist who's a only interested in ratings. He wants to like leave town and like take Casper Van Dien's wife with him. And, uh, you know, get a gig at, like, a big network. Uh, But he's also the kind of guy who's like, there's no such thing as climate change. You know, it's been hot before. So that means there's no such thing as climate change, and we don't have to worry about this at all. And at no point today shall my uppance come. No, certainly not. Certainly not later in the film will I insist on getting, like, a really good shot of a tornado on the roof of a power plant and then a giant cargo container will fly towards me very slowly and instead of ducking like a person would do i'm just gonna hold my hands in the air and go ah i guess i deserve this and then i'll die that will certainly not happen spoiler alert it does So Casper Van Dien has to try to rescue his family. His son is at school. He takes his son out of school. There's a fun bit later on when they're in the they're in their car and they hear a thing on the news about how a tornado hit his son's school. Mm. And at first you think, oh my God, it's a good thing he got his son out. His son's probably the only survivor. And then they say, literally every other child survived. And then I'm like, 
oh, so you really didn't need to waste your time with that kid, did you? That kid would have been fine. Well, also, it, it's out of season, but this is Tornado Alley. They say that they have tornadoes. Yeah. So they're prepared for them. Presumably, yeah. public buildings like a public school have shelters. would have a shelter underneath. And indeed, or, that's, that's a plot yeah. point. They had a shelter at that school. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, at the mall, where the, the, the daughter is, they're not expecting a tornado, so initially it yeah, starts like, ripping things apart, and they're like, oh God. But then they all go to the storm shelter, mm-hmm. and everyone who went to the storm shelter is fine. So, it's very uh, pro Storm Shelter, this movie. The, <laughs> this movie brought to you by Storm Shelter. Yes, problem, Storm Shelter brand Storm Shelter. The problem is, tornadoes are hitting a place that is well prepared for tornadoes. It's yeah. not a really good drama. No. Oh, there are a few months ahead of schedule is like the, the one scare. Well, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing that... So, uh, in a nutshell, hmm. Casper Van Dien is trying to reunite his family. His family uh, is trying to protect people from various tornadoes. Like, two people die. Uh, and then, uh, but everything else is more or less fine. A whole bunch of stuff breaks, and there's a big F six at the end. Holy shit! But everything's fine. Uh, it's it's very much a tornado movie. The movie. It's just uh, the absolute yeah, baseline yeah. tornado movie. You would normally like. It's like um, when, like, you get like the ninety nine cent bag of pasta from from your local supermarket, mm. and then you get like whatever the generic store brand like tomato sauce is. And like that's all you do, and it takes you like. Then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I could add stuff to the sauce. Like I could put some like actual like mushrooms in this or mm. something, and actually like make it like give it like some personality and flavor. And I could, you know, this is just the baseline tornado movie. Mm. What's frustrating is that the basic premise of the movie is that tornado season is early, and in fact, it's so early that it's Christmas. They do fuck all <laughs> with that premise. Yeah, like they mentioned that it's needs... Christmas like three times, and that's it. I, I, I was I was describing the premise of this to to my uh, long suffering wife who has to hear about these movies I'm watching, <laughs> and uh, I said I'm watching Christmas Twister. It has Casper Van Dien. She's like, fine, I'll be in the other room. She's, <laughs> she she she'll take a bullet for me, but not that many. Yeah. <laughs> That's, a, that's too high a caliber. Yeah, <laughs> like that is, she, that is a hollow point. She, she's, wa- she's watched some bad movies with me, but she won't sit down and yeah. watch it if she doesn't have to. And um, yeah. uh, so she started giving me premises just off the top of her head. Uh-huh. I said, it's Christmas Twister. It's about a Twister Christmas. She's like, okay, so Santa is real and he's been blown out of the sky. And now we have to like protect Santa from a Twister. And Santa has to like fly around and use Santa powers to stop the Twister. Better okay, idea that's than what a good we got. Movie. Yeah. Or, or if you're going to have a Christmas twister, it hits New York yeah. during like the tree lighting ceremony at Rockefeller yeah. Center. And, uh, and it, like it sucks the tree up into the air. You have iconography like that where Christmas yeah. things and are being destroyed. En- and at the end of the movie, the tree has landed on top of the Empire State Building, mm. like perfectly standing up. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. No, it's, it's, it's landed in Kansas. Okay. Yeah, it's been blown really far away. All right, fine. It just sails through the stratosphere. Well, there's so many, even if you don't want to go like with that like high concept with it, I mean, the fact that it's at Christmas time means that there's probably a lot of uh, public gatherings mm. that would be more difficult to evacuate and people aren't necessarily near shelters. Now, granted, oh. this is a low budget movie. They don't have a lot of crowds, but you could at least talk about that. The thing that, but I think the thing that offends me more is that there aren't more Christmas gags. Now, I don't mean specifically jokes. Hmm. When we say gag in uh, movies, what we often mean is uh, a little bit. 
You know, like we've come up with uh, uh, like there's a, a bit in uh, Jason X, for example, where uh, someone uh, is thrown. Jason throws someone off a rafter hmm. and then they land on a gigantic drill and that's they're impaled right. by the drill. And that's horrifying. But then because it's a drill bit, they start like the, the rotating bo- downward down the drill. That's yeah. a gag. That's we've killed somebody, but we added something sort of interesting and noteworthy about it to make this incident more memorable and more entertaining. That can be, you can do that with jokes, you can do that with horror, you can do that with action, but basically you're just taking the baseline version of a thing and ladling some personality onto Mm. it. Uh, Christmas gives you a lot of opportunities here. You could have Christmas lights flying up in the air. You could have, uh, uh, like, uh, the local town has, like, a life-size Santa and reindeer like thing in the street or whatever like oh look at our every year we put up the santa and these styrofoam mm-hmm. reindeer and it's great and then the styrofoam reindeer are flying around in the tornado there and, like there's yeah. some kid that looks out the window like wow holy shit and, and, then it, it's and, like, it, <laughs> and it sucks up the mole santa and he's like oh no help me yeah, it looks like, like oh, so magical yeah. because santa's yeah. out like there, there are gags you can do with mm. this there there's one christmas sort of thing they do uh Casper Vendian's family has like a, a, a nativity scene, like a crash out, oh, yeah. out in their front yard. And it's the only thing that's not ruined. Makes you think, doesn't it? No, no. I want to see that get sucked into a no, tornado. No, because that all the pro- Christmas stuff that proves, sucked into a tornado. That, that proves that, that, the, uh, uh, the, that the tornado, the religious aspect it was, of, it was of, a religious uh, tornado. Okay. It was a religious it was a Christ- tornado. Christian yeah. tornado. Yeah. Didn't, didn't want to wreck. Yeah. Didn't want to re- call it Christian tornado. <laughs> There's so many, you know, we've talked about this before. We've talked about this many, many, many times. Um, when you're studying movies, when you're starting to get interested in cinema, mm-hmm. uh, beyond the casual, oh, let's go see a movie this weekend. But like, no, I'm really excited and I've learned about all these new filmmakers, these new eras of film, and I want to really study movies because I find that exciting and mm-hmm. it makes the, the whole art form just blossom. The initial wave of that is almost universally, you start watching the classics. You hear about Citizen Kane, you hear about Alfred Hitchcock, you hear about Ingmar Bergman, you hear about whatever. You hear about all these classic movies that you need to catch up on. Mm. And then you do. And you start seeing some of the best movies ever made, and it's really incredible. And that's one of the best things about being a film lover is that sense of discovery. When you discover something important and then you realize that maybe this really wonderful older movie has influenced all these other movies that you've seen that you didn't even know about that Mm -hmm. influence yet. And all of a sudden everything feels interconnected and it's gorgeous. But there comes a time where you hit kind of critical mass on that Mm. and you've watched so many absolutely brilliant movies by filmmakers with distinctive voices and things to say and an absolute mastery of the technical craft and You've just seen so many movies that are four stars that after a while, it it doesn't actually help you creatively necessarily Mm -hmm. because those movies arguably are hard to improve upon. Yeah. So if you there's a risk if you're studying something like Citizen Kane, you're not going to necessarily figure out how to make your own movie. You're just going to figure out how they made Citizen Kane. Yeah. Once you have a baseline, once you know a lot about the history of cinema and great art and how movies are made and the terminology and uh, basically how all that sausage gets produced. Mm. One, I think one of the best and most important things you can do is start watching crap. 
<laughs> like just like real re- crap. Really bad stuff. Schlock, cult movies, not all of them are crap, but many of them are, you know, they're they're popular in spite of themselves uh, mm-hmm. because there's a certain amount of ineptitude or cheapness involved. And, uh, or maybe there's a really good idea, but they never really missed the mark or they didn't have the ability to get away with whatever they were trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. When you watch a movie that has distinct flaws... And you know enough about movies mm. to know, to have some idea of how you might fix those flaws. When you're watching a movie like Christmas Twister, it can actually be really exciting because you think to yourself, okay, well, they give me this a, movie, how would I fix this? Yeah, and then uh, you can get really yeah. creative and then you can actually like, I, I think that's a really exciting part of the process of learning about movies is watching mm. movies that aren't great and trying to think about them mm. in a way that is exciting in and of itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, Think think of it like uh, like a creative challenge. Um, yeah. I uh, I watched a, a documentary recently called Chaos on the Bridge. It's about mm. the making of Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's in preparation of our Star Trek podcast. And uh, Gene Roddenberry, rather in, infamously, in the writers' room, had a mandate saying you can't have interpersonal conflict on Next Generation. That's yeah. that's my new mandate. That's that's a rule of the show. You can't have yeah. people just bickering amongst themselves. That's yeah. not okay. Doesn't matter that that's what the original series did constantly. That's constantly, the whole yeah, point like, of Bones. Is the I I, yeah. I want this to be a, 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 a definitely a better future. That's my yeah. idea for Next Generation. Yeah. And all of the writers said, "What? Why? How are we going to have drama if we don't have people bickering all the time?" And Gene Roddenberry just said, "Figure it out," and he left the room. Yeah. Uh, one of the writers on that show, Brunnen Braga, is on record saying he actually appreciated that kind of structure because it forced him to think more creatively. Yeah, you can't fall back on old patterns, exactly. tropes, ideas, you know, like, oh, I'll have a character like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't like this character because their personalities clash. Like, no, what if they like each other and are supportive of each other? Yeah, they, they work together well and they, yeah. have, they come at problems from different angles and they have to reconcile yeah. each other's point of views. That kind of stuff. And it uh, took him a while to crack that code. Yeah, uh, it, it it really started to sing. Uh, I, I hate it when people say stuff like this, but like it gets better in later seasons. The first two seasons have a lot of promise, and it's an interesting show. Watch those first two seasons. It's better in later seasons. Mm-hmm. That's all. Uh, so when you're when you're a filmmaker, uh, and let's say you're fresh out of film school, and your first like for hire job is directing Christmas Twister or writing Christmas Twister, yeah. Uh, now, Christmas Twister clearly came out of a factory. Oh, yeah. This is, these are people who know the tropes, and they're just repeating it. They're we writing have, these over a weekend. We have a budget. We have a timeline. Yeah. The movie needs to be delivered by this date. And there's a and there's That's definitely uh, there's a, a talent or at least an admirable skill in being able to make a film on a very low budget over mm. the course of a couple days. And it's worth noting that this is mm. not so low budget that it all takes place in, like, a bunker or something. This oh. actually is, like, wrangling, like... A lot of different locations. They're not particularly exciting locations, but a lot, a lot of locations. A lot of basement locations. There's a lot but of basement uh, locations. There is a mall. They actually are filming in an actual mall. They're mm-hmm. filming in like at a school. They're filming a lot of exteriors in different places. And again, I'm sure they so, didn't have a. I'm sure yeah, they're all pretty a, close together geographically. But it wasn't like we can shoot 20 pages a day kind of yeah, thing. Like yeah, they, this was a fair. bit of a logistical it's, accomplishment. Yeah. And the, there's, there's a lot to be said for that sort of thing. That is a talent unto itself mm-hmm. is being able to wrangle all of those things and just get it done. Yeah. Um, so understand that if you're a young filmmaker trying to make your way in the business, that you're going to have an assignment like this. And if you take a really healthy sort of uh, workers approach to it, I need to do it this fast in this way. 
Uh, and if you're creative enough, maybe you can do something interesting with that. I'm going to put this kind of character in it. I'm going to have this conflict in it that's not really cliched. Uh, I, uh, and of course, your cast comes sort of prepackaged. Mm. It's like, we're going to make this. Casper Van Dien's the lead. Start writing. It's like, well, I don't have a script, but we have a lead actor already. Okay, we'll write a part for Casper Van Dien. Yeah. Uh, it's not like they wrote the script and then searched high and low for a year and a half for Casper Van Dien. <laughs> they need just the right people for these roles. Right. Uh, as those kinds of films go, this one's totally average. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of these kinds of movies. I worked for Roger Corman for two years. I saw a lot of these things in production. I've seen the sausage get made. There's no romance to it. They're just clearly churning these things out really, really quick. Not a lot of thought goes into them. You're not going to get a lot of thought out of them. Mm. If they are kind of entertaining, it's always completely by accident. Mm -hmm. And uh, occasionally you'll have a director who has like a little bit of a quirky sense of humor mm -hmm. or is, like has a recognizable style. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean they're necessarily good, but at least they're kind of different. Mm -hmm. um, I feel that way about Jim Wynorski, uh, who is... Yeah, so say what you will, he's got a style. He's, he's, you recognize a Jim Wynorski movie. Um, yeah. He's a he's a weird sleazy guy. Yes, yes, but... I was trying to steer away from the word sleazy, but that's a good word to describe <laughs> Jim Wynorski. He makes sleaze. He makes sleaze. He, he did movies with titles like The Bear Winch Project. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so uh, this one doesn't have like a kind of quirk to it. It doesn't have a particular sense of humor. I think Casper Van Dien is doing a, a job. I think Haley Lou Richardson has some personality. You can look at her uh, and say she's she's going to do something better. Like I remember when we saw that uh, that failed pilot for uh, the Partridge Family, and a young Emma Stone was in that, in that Emily Stone she was credited as, and mm -hmm. you get to see her in that, and she actually has a lot of life and energy and a good sense of humor, and you realize mm -hmm. oh she could be a big movie star, and yeah, now she's she got has, now she has yeah. an Academy Award. She actually you know fulfilled that promise, and right. I feel the same way about watching a Haley Lou Richardson in something like. Uh, Christmas Twister. Yeah. It's like she's bringing some humanity to this role that demands nothing of yeah, her. She's quite good. And yeah. to be fair, she's not the only one. Casper mm. Van Dien does what he has to do here. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a thankless role, but he does it. You know, he, mm. he came to work and he did. Good for him. Uh, there's a lot of supporting cast. Can't really say that. But you mm. know what? There's no, there's no sense in they're, punching down. One they're, of, here uh, the, yeah, one they're here to do a job, damn it. Uh, one of the actresses... Um, Who's like the ultra Texan rival in the TV studio? Oh, it was the producer. The producer. Oh, yeah. I forget the character's name. Hold on. Let me see if I can figure it out. Uh, yada, 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 yeah, yada, yada. Um, the, there, there's a producer of the, the news programs that, uh, that Richard Berge mm -hmm. writes for, or as the, uh, uh, the actor's name for. is Christina DeRosa. Okay. Christina DeRosa, who apparently, uh, had a role in the movie bad moms. Oh, I saw Bad Moms. Uh, let's see what else was she in that you might have heard of or seen. She was on a TV show called Mood Swings. She was in Jane the Virgin for a few episodes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's, oh, yeah. she's been in a lot of things, yeah. but it's mostly like little roles and stuff. Yeah, uh, she was she, in Evil Bong 3, The Wrath of Bong. Do you know there are seven of those movies? Seven yes, Evil I Bong did movies. actually know that. Uh, okay, so... She she is the the only person trying to sound like they're in Texas at all. Oh yeah, and she's and trying the, and she's trying to compensate for everybody. Yeah, so she is she, she is, is putting on um like like this this really broad foghorn leghorn style like deep southern accent. Yeah. Um, uh, another note for my wife, she, uh, my wife comes from Louisiana, so she likes to point out how wrong southern accents are in movies a lot. And, yeah, and, and movies and on TV. 
People because don't realize there are actually a, differences between yeah, like, there's like regions. there's a difference yeah. between a Tennessee accent and a Louisiana accent, and uh, and so yeah, she she likes to sort of point out or or just scoff at the fact that the accents are usually pretty wrong. Yeah, uh, we also need to mention just another uh, a, a experienced and talented actor who has a very small role here. Uh, but I uh, got to give a lot oh, of credit this, uh, to Stephen Williams. Yeah, Mr. X. Stephen I know Williams. him as Mr. X from the X-Files. Yeah, uh, Stephen Williams, you might know him as Mr. X from the X-Files. He was Creighton Duke in Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. Uh, he was also, perhaps most notably, Blackjack Savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Williams, Blackjack Savage is a character from the TV series The 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage, which, if you're unfamiliar with our podcast, Cancel Too Soon, where we covered it quite a few years ago. Um it's a story about a uh, protagonist based explicitly on Donald Trump, uh, who uh, runs. He's a hotel magnate who flees the country for tax evasion, buys a haunted mansion in the Caribbean from a wacky fascist dictator, and it turns out the mansion is haunted by the ghost of an abolitionist pirate, played by Stephen Williams, uh, who is going to hell because he killed a hundred people, and if he doesn't. Uh, uh, save a hundred lives. By saving one hundred lives, he needs to team up with Donald Trump to save one hundred lives using a sci-fi superboat. Um, night, night boat, essentially. Yeah, that's a real thing, and that's that Disney made that, and it was they lasted multiple episodes, and um, now Stephen Williams is here, and uh, he's Mr. X. He's, he's just, Mr. He's, X. Yeah. He's Mr. X. He's cool. He's he's actually a really good actor. I like Stephen Williams a lot, um, but. Uh, Anyway, that's that. Um, anyway, I think we've kind of covered Christmas Twister. Can I? Can we say that? Yeah, there, is there anything there's left? Unfortunately, not much. They, yeah. There's a lot of scenes of people hiding in basements. Yeah. And again, I'm watching Christmas Twister. A, I want to see more Twister, or yeah. at least want to see destruction. There was a glory shot of. I think there must have been like some sort of demolition recently, because mm. I think it was documentary footage of some small town that had been wrecked. So there was like a bunch of smoldering pits of like recently destroyed buildings. Yeah. That didn't look like special effects. I think they actually bothered to shoot yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot long span where there's no twister and we're just yeah. sort of like recovering and, you know, talking about the destruction and yeah. it becomes really kind of dour and sad. And it's about survival and destroying yeah. the destruction of the small town. I turned in to see a Christmas twister. Yeah. I wanted to have candy cane stripes. <laughs> I wanted, you know, I want something a little fun and silly and, and you know, Christmassy, uh, something, something that, that make, you know, justifies this goof, goofy title. No, they just made a straight disaster movie, and that's so less exciting. It's, and again, the the interesting thing is right in your premise. Mm. And I suspect they probably started with this whole F6 thing, and they were like, okay, so tornado season comes early, blah. But then at some, clearly at some point someone realized, it's a Twister movie at Christmas. Mm. That's the selling point. But I feel like probably by that point the movie had been made, mm. and it was too late to actually make the most of it and i feel like maybe they shot that opening <laughs> separately in order to do that maybe no. not i don't know it's hard to say i'm all just that's all just a guessing game but um i wish i could have been there early on in the process and just say lean into the christmas thing more like make it christmasy like seriously just no, there, there needs put to decorations be some, everywhere you there know? needs like, to be it's... some like jerk producer with a cigar who strolls onto set on the third day of shooting and say not christmasy enough put more christmas there yeah so it's, you know, 
this that's that would make it stupid. I know that's what this movie needs. Yeah, and like, it, and it, wouldn't you know it? The guys and they're like, and the director's gonna fight it, and then like, you cut to like three days later, and they're shooting this weird bit with Santa and the reindeer flying up in yeah. the air, and the director is like, God damn it, he was right. Yeah, like uh, I think you and I reviewed one of the Sharktopus movies or several of the um, Sharktopus movies. We did the, we did all three of the Sharktopus. That's right, we did movies. all three of the Sharktopus yeah. movies, and and I think there's only three. Well, I think the first one was just a straight up creature feature. It's like, yeah. oh no, it's a shark to puss. Okay, and what are we gonna do from our our uh, like military base where a bunch of people mm-hmm. are sitting around the you know, glowing screens? Oh no, it's it's entering the ocean, sir. Uh, yeah, and they're just talking about, oh no, this this thing, it's a shark, but it has tentacles. Okay, you have a monster, and you're just gonna get it. Yeah, like what are you gonna do with a, a shark to puss? And the other ones, they try to make it a little bit more comedic. To very bad effect, but yeah. at least they're trying to make comedies. Well, I think that, I think the uh, third the one is when they started actually having like a super villain who was like yeah. trying to turn people into a shark to buzz, and there was yeah. voodoo in it, and that one made it more like a comic book, which I feel like was probably the better way to go. Yeah, third one, the third one's actually pretty good. Actually. I think it's the like, third one that has Conan O'Brien in it. Uh, no, called? I think it's the first one that's Conan O'Brien. In it. it was the first one. It's, Conan yeah. O'Brien has a bit in it where he's just, or maybe it was Shark to too, but like. Where it's just him being an asshole on a beach, and then he's mm. killed by a shark to puss. Yeah, good for Conan. That, well, that, that's Conan's shtick is that he's like yeah. kind of this brusque jerk, and yeah. you know, he's he's a funny and self-effacing. No, he's not. He's actually like exactly. abuses the dick. people around yeah. him, uh, and uh, yeah, so that he just sort of plays that up and and gets killed by a shark to puss. He gets yeah. killed. His his like a tentacle like goes up his butt and rips his head off, and yeah. then, then they play volleyball with his head. And I'm sure he was yeah. very happy to. Oh my god! I would, part I would that, kill yeah. for a scene like that. <laughs> that. That would be my legacy. It'd be like, hey, listen, I realize that almost nothing in my life went right, but there was that one time I was killed by a shark to puss. <laughs> that was uh, John Waters thinking when he was yeah. in uh, Seed of Chucky. Yeah, he just so, wanted to be killed I, in a horror movie. I want to movie. be killed by a horror movie slime. I want to be killed by Chucky. Yeah, and they pour acid on his face. Oh my god, it would kill me. I, I had recurring nightmares about Chucky. It would seem so poetic if I actually got to be killed by Chucky. Mm-hmm. Like, how great would that be? You know, there's a Chucky TV series coming out uh, from the it, original creator, Don Man James. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's out, isn't it? I don't think it started. Yeah, I saw the trailer though. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah the, it, there's a, a new TV series. There's also that new movie. Yeah, I think they're making another movie in the original well, there's, continuity there's, or there's, something. There's there's like two versions of Chucky that got bifurcated. Mm-hmm. Like MGM owns the rights to this much of the concept, but the actual ongoing series is its own separate thing. So they're allowed to make that that Mark Hamill remake is actually not bad, but um. Yeah. Um, but like they're allowed to do that version, but the other one's allowed to keep going concurrently, and it just gets confusing and weird. Uh, Conan O'Brien was in Sharktopus versus Terracuda. Okay, so that was the second one. Which was the second one? The third one was Sharktopus versus Whalewolf. Whalewolf was kind of fun. Yeah, it, it was. It was the one I liked the best. I suppose so. Yeah, they're, none of them are good, mm. but Whalewolf was at the very least like it knew what it was doing. Mm. Yeah, I thought it had a good time. Anyway, that's Christmas Twister. Thanks, patrons. Thanks, yeah, <laughs> I could have been watching Bridesmaids. I hope, I hope, our patrons thought this was a fun conversation. I really do because I was worried watching this movie. I'm like, is this even going to be a fun episode? Yeah, like, it's are, really are just kind of a generic and some, weird something movie. to talk about here. Yeah. So hope we, we we filled the time. <laughs> no one can say we didn't. It was almost an hour here. I I asked. Uh, I interviewed Craig Ferguson once. Mm. Uh, it was for the movie Brave, and I was very nervous actually because I'd never interviewed someone. Who interviewed people for a living? It was he had that talk show and it was, yeah, it was the, very popular. The, the Late Late Show. Yeah, again, again, he hasn't been on for a while. I think it was replaced by Seth Meyers. No, he was replaced by uh, James Corden. Oh, oh, 
That's yeah. a that's a shift. Um, well, I think he expected to get the late show, uh, but they, hmm. they didn't even offer him. And oh. So I think it's like, oh no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I'm going to do a podcast or yeah. other things. Great, and great. Now, now he's hosting a show called The Hustler, oh. which is a, a game show. Cool. Well, anyway, Craig Ferguson's a comic genius, and mm. he was he was a very nice man. And uh, I, I interviewed him because he was one of the voices in Brave, and I asked him, "It's like, um, you know, hey, listen, I've I've had to interview quite a few people, but I've never interviewed anyone who interviewed people before." Uh, what's the secret? You do a talk show. What's the secret to interviewing people? And he said, get to the commercial. Get, yeah, get to the end. Keep talking, yeah. and then at the end, you cut to a commercial. If you get to the commercial, you win. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Yeah. You, you filled the time. Yeah, that's kind of it. Like People, people just want to hear people talk, mm-hmm. and then at the end, they're done talking, mm-hmm. and then the commercial lets you know you've, you've done your job. <laughs> and I kind of appreciated how mercenary he was. I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. I know there's a lot more to well, it than for, that. For Craig Ferguson, that's all he needed. Again, you need, to, you need to just keep it going. You can't get so wrapped up in it. And trying to make everything perfect, you just mm. have to like keep the conversation going, and that's enough. Uh, I try to, we try to do more than that, but at some point, we 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 just here to make yeah. podcasts. I hope you liked this one. <laughs> I think I think we made the most of it. Um, next time on the Critically Acclaimed Streaming Club, uh, we are headed over to Shudder. Shudder is a streaming service dedicated almost exclusively to horror movies. Anything else they have is usually like at least tangentially horror. Um, and uh, they have a lot of great selections of new, old, and cult films for the horror enthusiast. Whitney and I are both horror enthusiasts. However, in searching their data banks, we, we were all able to find at least a couple of interesting movies that we have never actually seen. And uh, in no particular order, here are the options for next week. Spookies! Spookies is a cult horror film from the mid-80s about a bunch of people... Uh, who are lured into, I, th- I think it's like a castle, and then they're like attacked by a bunch of different wild, crazy monsters? Something like yeah. that? Yeah, similar. There's, a, there's a bunch of wild, crazy monsters around. Okay, cool. It, um, it, was, it was like shot in shifts by like with different ideas and different scripts, so nice. uh, it, it doesn't really cohere in any kind of meaningful way. All right, uh, next up is an Australian film called Turkey Shoot. Uh, tell people about Turkey Shoot. I don't really uh, know. It, about it's, it. it's a people being hunted in the woods kind of movie. Cool. And it, it's one of the more popular um, Ozploitation flicks uh, I, I, There's a really wonderful documentary film out there Called Not Quite Hollywood Which is about mm-hmm. the uh, the rise and boom Of Australian exploitation movies In uh, mm-hmm. specifically the 70s But uh, before and after And because of like censorship laws and things uh, Filmmakers had a lot more leeway To do a lot more lurid material And mm-hmm. something about Shooting in Australia made some of the most exciting exploitation movies out there. Uh, there were a lot of excellent car movies, a yeah. lot of weird monster movies, a lot of interesting photography, and uh, a lot of uh, genre filmmakers getting their start during that time. Yeah. Uh, we also have uh, the other two options are both, coincidentally, Mario Bava films. Mm. Uh, first up, we have A Bay of Blood, uh, which is about a, a wealthy lady who gets killed, and then a whole bunch of people are like scrambling over her inheritance. And they all start getting brutally murdered on an island. Uh, this is a movie from the early 1970s that ended up having like a huge influence on the American slasher genre. Mm. Uh, and also in the uh, giallo genre in general. It's a considered a big classic. Uh, and then also from Mario Bava, there's a supernatural film called Shock. Uh, which is about a couple being terrorized by an evil ghost. And they possess the kid's son. And... Um, that's made by Mario Bava. That's all I know about that one. Mario Bava, if you don't know Mario Bava, Mario Bava is one of the most stylish filmmakers who ever lived. Mm, he, I think he, it's no exaggeration whatsoever. 
who's uh, born in Spain but made a lot of movies in Italy mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, I think born in Spain. Uh, I don't know about I'm that. Re- remembering that correctly, and um, let's see if we can find it out before we run out of time. Uh, Mario Bava, yeah, is, is in, in the the same camp as Lucio Fulci and no, Dario Argento. I was born in Italy. Was born okay. in Italy. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about then. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, he's one of like the premier uh, Italian schlockmeisters. Uh, yeah. That that and you know incredibly prolific. A lot made a lot of really bad movies, mm-hmm. but, but a lot of really notable ones as well. Yeah, he made he made some of the best horror movies ever made. He also made stuff like superhero movies mm-hmm. and Hercules movies and Viking films and uh, astoundingly prolific. But somehow in the middle of all of that, he managed mm-hmm. to inject a spectacular amount of style and panache into pretty much all of his movies. I've, I've seen bad Mario Bava movies, but I've never seen bad looking Mario Bava movies. <laughs> That's fair. That's uh, a fair, fair observation. But I've also seen absolutely brilliant Mario Bava movies. I think he is one of the, at least in the mainstream, one of the mm-hmm. like least appreciated geniuses. Uh, so uh, that he, so we, that we have two here. I'm sure they'd both be exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I, I'm not going to say which one or both were mine, but I actually haven't seen either of those. In fact, I'm, not, I'm actually just going to say it. I haven't seen anything that we're uh, that is up for next time. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I've I've seen one of them a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so th- so it's all going to be new to us, uh, and you can vote on Patreon. Once again, that's patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Every single patron gets to vote for episodes of critically acclaimed, even if it's just one dollar a month. Mm-hmm. Also, for one dollar a month, you get our Batman podcast, Holy Batman where Whitney and I are working our way through every single episode of the 1960s Batman TV series, uh, which is quite a hoot. And we're coming have, coming down seen. on the end of the second season, which yeah. took a long time. It's a long a lot season. Of episodes. It's a long season. Uh, but it's really exciting. They got wonderful, great guest stars, and it's a very funny show. Um, so we're doing that. We also have our Star Trek podcast. All our yesterdays is on Patreon. That's at a higher tier. But uh, we're about to start our journey through every single episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. The first episode of All Our Yesterdays that covers the pilot of Next Generation will be available for free mm. here on the main feed, just to give people a taste. Uh, but after that, they're all up on Patreon. Uh, and uh, we also have shows about the Oscars, commentary tracks, uh, hangouts every month. Um, you know, we, we try to we try to uh, we try to make it worth your while. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you to everybody who can contribute. Uh, if you can't afford to contribute, we totally get it. But if you could leave us a review wherever you find us, that would really help us out a lot. Star rating, a sentence really helps. Just any sort of written down thing just tells people that like people someone gives a crap. Um, we're also on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode or anything at all, really, you can email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, and uh, we might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. Whitney, tell them about our post office box. We have a P.O. box. You can mail us like a real letter if you want to. Uh, yeah, put a stamp on it. Ma- put it in the Ooh. mailbox. Uh, those, those, there's or just these, tape uh, some coins to the front and just hope, <laughs> hope they accept that as legal. Yeah, tender. look around your neighborhood. You'll find these little robots waiting on the corner. These little blue ones with four legs. And and, and, and they, when it gets and they dirt, eat your mail. Yeah, you, f- you put the mail in their mouth and go yum 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 yum. But they can't move yet because their feet are bolted down. But the, the mail, the mail workers come down and they unbolt their feet at the night at and the end of the night and it'll run away and it'll uh, scurry that letter toward us. That little robot will deliver it to us. So um, so be sure to feed the robot. Uh, but be sure to write down the right address. It's a uh, 
critically acclaimed network, <laughs> PO Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. And uh, also, don't forget, we have soap. Uh, we sell soap, me and M. Lampas da Silva, uh, via our soap store, Salt Cat Soap, Salt Cat Soap. All one word is on Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow along. But if you go to Etsy.com and look for Salt Cat Soap, again, all one word, you're going to find a lot of designer soaps. Uh, they're really, really gorgeous. They're handcrafted. They have a lot of different distinct aromas. Uh, we got uh, traditional soaps. We have uh, fancy soaps you can use as uh, nice gifts or just to treat yourself. Uh, we have uh, uh, shave uh, bars. Shave bars. Thank you. It's late on my brain. Shave, started shave, to die. Shave bar, shampoo. Bar, that's shave bar, thing. shampoo bars, lotions, bath salts, a lot over there. And uh, thank you, everybody, who's already tried out the store. The reviews have been really excellent so far, and that means a lot to us. Thank you again. Uh, so, again, we'll be back next week with whatever our patrons pick from Shudder. Hmm. And until then, never forget... Uh, I forgot. How about you say, thank you for joining the club. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us.